We are Pro Cannabis Media. Hi, everyone. Welcome to another edition of In the Weeds with Jimmy Young. And as you can tell, I'm in the greatest sports city in America, Boston, Massachusetts. Joining me from the other coast, from Oregon, from Eugene, Oregon, is Lance Kreck. And he is the host of another podcast called Hemp 101. Lance, thank you so much for taking the time out of your busy day and joining us here for a little chit chat. How are you? Oh, I'm good. Trying to survive over here and on the West Coast. So uh, I understand that uh, you had a hemp store and it has now fallen victim to the COVID-19 pandemic. Is that accurate? Yes, unfortunately, that is correct. How did that all happen and how long have you been in business? Well, it's kind of a, a, an interesting story. Um, at the time, uh, I went into business with my ex-wife now, uh, was my wife at the time. Um, I was getting out of the, uh, the army. Um, I still had about a year left on my contract. I was stationed down in Eglin Air Force Base, Florida uh, with 7th Special Forces Group, uh, one of the operational groups for the uh, United States Army Special Forces Green Berets. I was there for seven years. Um, I was coming up on the final year of my contract. I was injured in a parachuting um, routine uh, operation, uh, training exercise, and was, uh, I had to have two hip surgeries, so I was medically retired. Um, but before then, around that time, uh, Florida was uh, going for Amendment 2. Uh, this was right around 2016. Uh, so cannabis was really starting to kind of get some um, momentum across the country. Uh, certain states were recreational. Uh, I think there was only like two or three at the time, I believe. Um, but med was really starting to kick off and you could see a lot of the, the kids and the parents getting relief from the cannabis. And it really struck a chord with me because, uh, I was a parent, a brand new parent at the time. And I was fortunate enough to have a healthy child, a healthy son. I have two kids now. Um, and so, I wanted to kind of, you know, pitch in wherever I could. And then with the, the medical aspect that is cannabis and now hemp, um, it's really got a large um, future, I would say, in uh, with the veterans, uh, with the pain and getting them off of the, uh, you know, plethora of prescription pills and opioids. And so we were going to go for one of the licenses in Florida once they legalized it. But I mean, if you pay attention to the cannabis regulations across the country, Florida probably had the largest or the steepest um, requirements for a license. And I think they wanted five or 5 million liquid or 10 million liquid. I can't remember the specifics. I've kind of obviously pivoted since then. Uh, then found out what hemp was. Hemp was starting to come onto the scene with the, the Stanley brothers and uh, Charlotte's web and uh, found out about hemp and we didn't need a license. The barrier to entry was a heck of a lot uh, smaller. And so uh, we pivoted over there and we went to the West Coast. I uh, figured it was probably the best area. Uh, it was close for my wife's family at the time. The kids could be closer to their grandparents on her side. Um, and we didn't want to go to California because the taxes and the traffic. Uh, and we didn't want to go to Washington because that's where my in-laws were. And so we uh, decided Oregon. And then we did some research and picked uh, Eugene, you know, with the university. It's not the size of, uh, of Portland or anything like that. Uh, central in the in the state, and they're very sympathetic to hemp and cannabis. Um, so we landed in Eugene, um, you know, opened up a store. This was all pre-farm bill, so the country was not on par with where we were, uh, unfortunately. So I think that we were really early to market, 
And it was only a small family investment that we had. Uh, so, uh, you know, getting the brand recognition out there um, was good. And then unfortunately, uh, you know, a divorce happened in the middle of that. Uh, so my wife, business partner at the time, um, had to seek employment elsewhere. And I was still stuck in uh, Florida with the army, finishing out my contract before I moved up to Oregon to take over the business that had been closed for a couple months. Uh, kind of, you know, uh, revived that, uh, that brand and then COVID hit. And so, you know, with already struggling business uh, through personal, uh, you know, struggles and whatnot, um, it just, you know, that was the final nail in the coffin. So to speak, uh, you know, be careful of that one, I guess, right? Um, so the hippie hemp farm in Eugene, Eugene, Oregon is alive or not alive? No, it's not. Uh, the brand is still kind of alive. Uh, it's more so just uh, loyal customers that uh, still know that we, we have some good oil from a, a local brand, uh, TJ's. They're a, a local cannabis brand. They're in uh, a few other states. Um, I think they're in Washington, Vegas, or Nevada, and California, as well as Oregon. So it's a pretty large brand that's uh, spanning a couple states, and that's uh, our best seller. And, you know, leftover inventory and then textiles, T-shirts, uh, and stuff that we have uh, from the store. The, this is uh, a leftover shirt. This is actually a Patagonia hemp shirt uh, from their spring 2020 line. So um, yeah, just leftover stuff here and there. You know, it's amazing to me that the products that can be made out of hemp, the variety of products, and I'm not just talking about uh, cannabis and CBD and all that, but your shirt, uh, a house, a boat, a car, anything really can be made out of this substance and yet very few people understand that at all how much of a of an educational thing do you have to do when you talk to people when you explain to them that you're in the hemp industry it's still you know with the passage of the farm bill there's still a, a steep learning curve uh for you know the mass consumption if you will um most on the textile side that's the largest learning curve uh that is kind of you know keeping everything uh from going forward uh but you know with the 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 rubber the um the duponts the fossil fuels you know etc you know the lobbyists they have the 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 upper hand when it comes to lobbying and you know policies that are in their favor uh and it's also uh a plant and it's not as um rigid if you will uh when it comes to the aura of what a plant can do in form or in in regards to uh manufacturing auto manufacturing uh uh, textiles, hempcrete, uh, animal bedding, feed, etc. Um, so there's still a small learning curve. I think that there, there's a lot of uh, a lot of brands that are really starting to help get that infrastructure in place. The biggest one that a lot of people uh, are kind of keeping their eye on right now is the textile side, uh, because a lot of the textiles, the textiles for uh, fiber for clothes, um, uh, whether it be beanies, socks, uh, shirts, etc. Most of it was coming from overseas, uh, Romania, China. Um, India, they've been doing it for centuries. Uh, and, you know, the United States was kind of in that uh, arena for a while until, you know, the, everyone knows the demonization of cannabis and the, the passage of certain policies under certain presidents, uh, you know, uh, control or, uh, you know, um, terms, if you will. And so, you know, it's, it's kind of uh, coming back to the forefront as a viable option. And with, uh, you know, climate change, whether you believe in it or not, um, you know, that's not for me to say. Um, it, it, it has a lot of benefits that, you know, just uh, other than the textiles and the food and the fiber um, that can really help. And a lot of people are starting to come on board with that. 
You know, you, you mentioned a lot in there about the history of the plant. Uh, and we and for those who don't understand, it was the DuPonts, the hearse of the 1930s, 20s and 30s that really funded the original DEA that turned the cannabis sativa plant into that uh, evil weed, if you will. Um, and because they felt that hemp was going to impact the paper industry. And that's where that all that money came from. That's where they were. The, uh, Hearst obviously was in the publishing world. But anyway, let, let's get back to Oregon for a second, because I, I'm always curious, especially when I talk to people uh, from the West Coast. I am from the East Coast. And I, while I have visited uh, California a few times, I have never visited Washington State or Oregon. And as a golfer, Bandon Dunes is on my bucket list. It is one of the most outstanding golf courses in the world. And one of these days, I'll get an opportunity to play it. I hope if I live uh, through tomorrow, because I only live, I only, I only count on 24 hours these days, especially, especially with COVID. And, and this has to be a very challenging time for you. You've gone through a divorce already. You seem to be very young and a nice young man. Um, you've got a military background, which means you understand the importance of discipline. And I'm guessing you also understand the importance of adapting and improvising in whatever situation you're in. So now that COVID has hit, what are your plans for your next step in the world of hemp? Oh, uh, actually, it's, it's very interesting because this was almost a blessing in disguise. Um, my plans in hemp are with the podcast uh, and also the YouTube channel uh, associated with that uh, education, awareness, uh, advocacy, if you will, uh, from that, uh, you know, digital uh, media side. Um, but also working with, uh, this is a, very, a fairly recent development, uh, developing a cannabis brand in Las Vegas. Um, so it's going to be kind of like uh, Black Rifle Coffee for cannabis. And so yeah, whoever's out there listening, you can try and take it. I don't care, but we're coming for you. Uh, you know, with Vegas opening back up, um, you know, slowly but surely. And it's a very unfortunate to see what has happened in the industry uh, based on, you know, the looting and the rioting, but also with COVID and all. I mean, cannabis was deemed essential and everybody knows that. And so that's really brought the plant to the forefront of a lot of people's minds as, wait a second. Okay, let's talk about cannabis. And then hemp, you know, it just, it goes hand in hand. So with the podcast, um, working with a company out of India, I can't name drop specifically because we're still working out the details to do a video series on the uh, Indian uh, cannabis market, uh, working with uh, political leaders, uh, celebrity leaders, um, you know, just that type of market that is India, kind of the sleeping giant uh, of the cannabis world, because it's only a matter of time before cannabis is internationally legal. Uh, you know, and there's no uh, regulations on border crossings and, and whatnot. Um, so um, th that's a really, you know, kind of uh, playing the cards close to the chest on that one. Uh, so, you know, Vegas and India is, is really on my my forefront. And then just kind of, you know, spreading the word and, and doing a, the video series um, outside of the podcast, kind of like a Casey Neistat um, vlog style hemp review slash tech review kind of following the journey of the hemp industry and the cannabis industries as we go forward because it's a brand new industry you know nobody's going to get this time uh you know again to do it you know unless there's a, a new industry that comes up you know in the near future uh or you know next lifetime for you know my kids and you know generations uh, behind me so you know just trying to ride the wave and 
and just see where hemp's going because i mean we can tell patagonia's got hemp lego's got hemp lego has announced that they're going to be making all of their plastics out of hemp plastics Fantastic. by 20 by 2030 so there's a lot of fun things happening in the industry it's it's already disrupting so many industries and i i'm i'm here to pretty much you know provide that uh that journey for uh, for the masses well, you certainly have the passion for it, Lance. That's the, that's the most important thing. You mentioned two things. One about uh, cannabis, if you will, becoming an essential product. You know, in Massachusetts, the governor did not see it that way when it came to the adult use recreational world. Um, let's not get into that on this show. But at some point, if you want to sit down with me, I can explain what goes on with that. But you talked about um, the protests that have been going on. Uh, we are going to date this a little bit. A lot of times I like to do evergreen, but because of what's been going on in the United States over the last uh, seven to 10 days, and my goodness gracious, take it back to two and a half months. I feel like I've been in this cage for two and a half months. <laughs> the thing that I'm taking away, and yes, there have been looting, and yes, it looks like the MedMen stores in California all had to close, and the local dispensary here in Boston, they too, after four years of waiting, finally getting open, getting shut down because of COVID, because the governor uh, decided to make adult use recreational non-essential. Uh, and now he's reopened. And what happens within the first week of them reopening? Bang, they get looted and they get, um, you know, just not destroyed, but certainly, uh, you know, $100,000 worth of uh, product is gone. Oh, yeah. Every single one of the companies that has suffered from looting or vandalism is basically has the same message. And I'm so enthused about this message. And that message is basically they merchandise and things can be replaced okay racism needs to be eradicated and and we have to at some point recognize that the people who have been most affected by the wars on drugs uh, those people of color really have been horribly treated by the white man in this country. Now you come from a military background. Um, the military, I know, has always embraced others. Anyone who wants to volunteer for the military uh, is embraced. And I give the mil military a lot of respects and props for that. But I go back to what I was saying about the positives that can come out of a negative. Are you one who also believes that um, everything's for a reason and that we will somehow move forward, whether it's through the ballot box or just through this, this movement that we're seeing all over the United States? I believe so. Um, I'm usually uh, I'm a more more so than not a realist, uh, but I'm also an optimist. Um, so I believe I'm a firm believer in uh, you know society moving forward together for the right reasons. And I think whether you think that you know this whole thing was a conspiracy theory with COVID, you know mass coordinations, et cetera, et cetera, and then now the the looting and the rioting with bricks being staged all across the country. There's a lot to really take in and kind of, you know, formulate an opinion. And it's really just kind of like a mass confusion, if you will. Uh, you know, nobody really knows what to think. Facebook is saying one thing. The president's saying another on Twitter. Twitter's saying they're going to shut them down. It, it's like, okay, what can we really focus on to affect change? Because everybody's entitled to their First, uh, first Amendment opinion. You know, um, and, and a lot of countries are really paying attention to this. I had um, uh, Abhishek Mohan, uh, the CEO of... 
uh, Hemp Street um, uh, from over in, in Southeast Asia on the show on the Hemp 101 podcast uh, last week. And all eyes are on us right now. You know, there's a lot going on. It's an election year. Uh, cannabis in some parts of the country were deemed essential. But I can see why Boston didn't really want to uh, capitalize on that because they didn't want to be seen as profiteering. Um, they didn't want to say the recreational side is where we're going to get our money, where we're going to get our taxes. I can see them doing it for the right reasons, but it really limited access for a lot of people, uh, which is unfortunate because, you know, different states are doing it differently across the country. And so we're all kind of like, we're all in the same roller coaster right now. You know, different states are learning from different states. Different things are changing based on policy, based on who's in office, and it's an election year. So there's a lot that we need to really kind of digest right now, uh, especially with, you know, the election only a few months away. Uh, I think that's really going to be a tip. In my personal opinion, I think that's going to be a huge tipping point for the country because A, Donald Trump and President Trump in the beginning said that he was going to leave it up to the states. And the states have been doing that. You know, they've been left alone and it's still legal, you know, and he's coming up to the, the end of his first term. And, you know, for him to get reelected, I think that he's either going to end the war or legalize cannabis or just, you know, go forward and leave everything as a status quo. I think that if he really wanted to get reelected and unite the masses, he would do those two things because there's so much confusion going on here in the States that the foreign policy of the United States can literally do whatever they want because nobody's paying attention except for COVID, except for a global pandemic, because, you know, it is what it is. People can say what they want about, you know, the new world order, et cetera, et cetera. I mean, you have to put two and two together. You know, it can, it's easy to, to kind of go down the rabbit hole with some of those things, but I think that with cannabis, whether, you know, the, the states and the cities were getting their share of, you know, the monetization of the plant through taxes, um, you know, for the right reasons or the wrong reasons, they still left it open to the people. And that shows that that is a viable option going forward. And if that is a viable option going forward, Bob Marley said it best. I mean, I hate to sound all woo woo, but he said the, the plant's going to be the healing of the nation. And we're already starting to see that. So industries are adopting, uh, you know, plant-based products, uh, whether it's hemp or other products in their, their business models. Uh, cannabis is a viable option for entrepreneurial routes. Cannabis is actually getting taught in, uh, you know, Western medicine institutional uh, institutions. Um, it's, it's fascinating to see where we're actually going. And so I think a lot of it is going to be kind of determined uh, in the ballot boxes, like you said. Um, but I think that, with everyone so divided right now, but also so unified, people are seeing through the BS and the false flags when it comes to that side of the house. And people actually want to move forward because they know that there's a global pandemic. Whether that's true or not, it's, it really is. I see a lot of message of unity because cops are fed up. Uh, you know, the students are fed up. They've been through school shootings for the last decade, longer than that. Like, it, and, you know, putting two and two together whenever you like think about that sort of thing, like, OK, how come there's not been a school shooting or how come ISIS isn't you know, in the news anymore? Like, are we still at war? Like, there's a lot of things that are still kind of floating out there in limbo that I think really people have to look forward to a closure on those topics. So it sounds like you believe, as do many of the people I talk to that are cannabis advocates, that the plant can be the healer, the plant can employ, the plant can drive revenue and turn it back into tax revenue to change some of the things that these cities, towns, and even our states 
have to deal with now. Um, you, you're pretty positive that this all can happen um, over the next year, two years, three years, or in up to the, you even mentioned uh, 10 years from now. Yes, I'm a firm believer in that. Uh, you know, we've had some help with, uh, with Canada legalizing it across the country. Uh, you know, a couple of years ago, well, however long ago it was, uh, not really, I mean, there's so much that has gone on in, in the industry. But just the, the key things that it's been deemed essential during a global pandemic, it's making money for, you know, for taxes and people can actually see that the plant is being used for the right things. Crime, you know, some statistics say that crime has gone down. Some st uh, statistics in certain states like Colorado has uh, said that with passage of uh, cannabis policy um, that, uh, you know, uh, vehicular accidents have gone down, you know, vehicular deaths, et cetera. So there's more good happening from the plant than bad. And I think that, you know, with the pandemic, it really brought that, uh, that aura that is cannabis, you know, no pun intended, if you will, I guess it's not really a pun. Uh, you know, it's really brought cannabis to the forefront and it's, it's almost, it, it cannot be a political subject anymore. Um, but it is. I mean, it, it can't be. And True. Yet, until, <laughs> until there's actually uh, a movement in the Republican controlled Senate, we are at a tremendous stalemate. And, and that freaks me out a little bit. But then again, I'm, I think I'm at least 20, if not 30 years older than you. So um, I'm more worried about your children, okay? Maybe my, ch my child, who's going to be 30 uh, in September. But for the most part, um, you know, this is a long-term process. And, but you do see what a lot of people see is this is, it's like the aligning of the stars almost, right? That you have the pandemic, you've had this issue with, with uh, climate change, and, and now you've got this product out there that really, Bob Marley, may he rest in peace, may, may I sing his songs, uh, you know, he, it is about the plant. I got to meet a Rastafarian and interviewed a Rastafarian last year, and he explained to me why it is that the plant can be the healer. And look, I'm a meat and potatoes guy, okay? But I totally respect the vegans of the world. And I understand that a plant-based diet can actually be uh, uh, beneficial to many humans. So again, plant medicine and plant nutrients. You are one who also supports this or you wouldn't be in the hemp industry in the first place, right? Exactly, exactly, 100%. Because going back to just not only Bob Marley around the same uh, era, JFK was a cannabis user in the White House, openly on the, uh, on the, on the lawns. You know, he was using it for his conditions that he had. Uh, this was before it was illegal. Um, and so, you know, you used to be able to pay taxes with it, you know. And I think that right now, uh, I want to go on record as saying, cannabis legalization, whether it's regulated uh, at the end of this time or not, that's, I don't think it's going to happen, but I believe that cannabis legalization is going to happen either right before Trump gets reelected at the end of his, uh, his first term or his, sorry, his second term to ensure a follow on Republican in the presidency or Joe Biden's going to do it at the end of his first term. So I, I believe I'm a firm believer that legalization for cannabis is going to be within the next five years. Wow. I, I don't even want to, uh, talk about the possibilities of reelecting uh, a uh, this guy because the first in my world, okay, to be a president, you must be a leader, and I just don't see that happening. So, uh, anyway, that's how I look at it, Lance. You know, right. and that's the the beautiful thing about democracy. Whether you know you think it's beautiful or not, I think that 
you know, uh, the United States is, is fairly new. Con- it's, it's a new country in, in the, the grand scheme of things in the, the global uh, arena. Uh, so we've weathered a lot. We've weathered a civil war. We've weathered two, uh, two world wars uh, going on the longest war ever. I think four years in the grand scheme of things has divided so many people. But I think at the end of the day, everyone really knows that we're getting sick and tired of the same what five or six issues that politicians can really affect. But I, I, I hate to say it. It is the older generational politics, the, the, um, the career politicians that are the ones that are holding a lot of this up because they have that grip of power and they don't want to let it go until it's either a for the party or, you know, B for them, it's time for them to pass on, uh, you know, rest their soul, unfortunately. So, you know, like, you know, abortion, uh, obviously civil rights, uh, women's rights, uh, same sex marriage. Um, the whole you know gambit of what these politicians run on it's like if we solve those things what's next we can actually move forward as a, as a, as a society you know we can start regulating uh you know the the uh the auto industry a lot more you know with uh miles per gallon increasing efficiency and, and you know decreasing uh greenhouse gases etc like actual problems that can be solved you know by starting a plan today and not worried about abortion because of religion or personal views you know that has been going on for for decades i mean it's it, it's really it's, it's a lot it's very simple but I, i'm not in in politics you know i i would honestly like to be in politics at some point uh not me personally running but behind the scenes you know strategist or something like that um you know whether democrat or republican doesn't really matter uh you know right now uh it just depends on you know the person that you're getting behind you know getting them in office making making sure that they, you know, they're there for the right reasons, whether that's at the city level, county level, state level, or federal level, it doesn't really matter. You know, getting involved in politics, I think, like you said, is key. You know, beating them at the ballots, uh, because, you know, the generations are, are growing up. You know, obviously, the, the kids that were in high school that were, you know, under the, uh, that had a lot of the massive, uh, you know, school shootings, unfortunately. Uh, you know, gun control, they're going to start voting a lot more, a lot more than I would venture to say, you know, my generation when we were younger and up and coming because the the media and, you know, information is at our fingertips. So we have that educated, um, you know, we can have that awareness about what's going on on a grander scale than what we could just based on what the TV and, you know, the print was giving us. So, you know, it's an interesting time and it's an awesome time, you know, not only for entrepreneurs in the hemp and the cannabis industry, but also for politics, because if you don't turn on to politics, politics is going to turn on you. Hmm. Very good point. And I think that's a great way to kind of wrap things up here, Lance. Um, and in the words of Terrence Floyd, the brother of the late George Floyd, he said something that was very powerful and it was one word and it's a four letter word. And that four letter word is vote. And that is so important. Uh, as someone who uh, has fought for this country, uh, I salute you. And I respect the fact that you were able to do that and you always will be uh, respected in our community now. So again, thank you for your service, Lance Kreck. Thank you so much for your time. How do we find your hemp cast again? So we're on all major uh, podcast platforms. We're on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, uh, Stitcher, but it's based out of the Anchor app. So you can just Google Hemp 101 Podcast. We're the only one out there. Uh, it's on Anchor, Spotify, wherever you find your major podcasts. Uh, Twitter, Instagram, Hemp 101 Podcast, Facebook, Hemp 101 Podcast on all major platforms, the social media platforms, uh, you can find us. And uh, YouTube as well, just Google the Hemp 101 Podcast. 
You can also follow me at lance.kr on LinkedIn. Uh, that's pro that's my, my major platform that I'm uh, most active on just because, you know, that's the, the business side of the, the thing. And I would like to caveat on, on what uh, Mr. Floyd said about voting. Um, I see that message, you know, loud and clear throughout the, the airwaves uh, right now. And it couldn't be more true than ever because as the war has gone on, this is my personal opinion. I'm not speaking for all veterans. It's gotten to the point where just thanking somebody for their service, I'm not trying to downplay it at all because I still like to hear it because it's a good reminder. You know, it's like, okay, there are people that are still serving. And now that I am out and I am a veteran and I'm not active duty anymore, it's a completely different, uh, you know, mindset. But if you really want to actually honor a veteran more than just saying thank you for your service, you have to vote. Because if we couldn't vote, we couldn't preserve democracy and we wouldn't have anything to fight for. And that's what we are fighting for when we wear that flag on our right shoulder. Well said, Mr. Lance Kreck of Hemp 101. I appreciate you taking the time. Once again, this has been In the Weeds with Jimmy Young. And yes, you can find our podcast right alongside his podcast on those same networks. So again, for Lance Kreck, thank you so much for watching In the Weeds with Jimmy Young. Remember, it's a whole new world of weed out there. Use it responsibly. We Talk Now, We Talk News, and In the Weeds are all available on most major podcast distributors like iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, and our friends at clnsmedia.com and our flagship, cannabis.net. So subscribe, share, and like our videos on all the social media networks out there, including LinkedIn, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, The Weed Tube, and YouTube. Weed Talk and In the Weeds are two productions of pro-cannabis media supported by Revolutionary Clinics, one of the top medical cannabis dispensaries in the Massachusetts area, now with three locations in Greater Boston, two in Cambridge, and one on Broadway in Somerville. Rev Clinics has a patient-first mission. They will customize your needs as a medical patient with the proper titration and combination of strains, flavors, and products. Rev Clinics, where the patient comes first. We are pro-cannabis media.